This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> hey guys, welcome to the new episode of the Cabal cast. We're going to keep it short and sweet this week uh, as we tweet it out. We're going to be covering a pretty simple but important topic of what to do when there is a new set full of absolute heaters, like the new Return to Return to Ravnica Part 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we'll be getting to picks, so let's keep it quick. Let's get it started. Yep. Uh, so uh, what we were talking this week about what we wanted to do, uh, we were kind of hard-pressed to come up with something because War of the Spark spoilers have just been rampant and just full of extremely good cards that are pushing and pulling on various other cards in standard and older formats because of what these Planeswalker passives are. Sometimes it's just the fact that a Planeswalker is costing three, you know, two generic and one that is turning some archetypes. We even have a, uh, I called it a patched fire blast in red at common. And this kind of begs the question with a huge swath of the set looking like it's going to be immediately playable in standard, modern, and uh, cards like Vents are possibly making it into Legacy and Vintage. What do you do here? Do you stick to singles? Is sealed for a short to midterm hold a better option? And just trying to help navigate this landscape because it doesn't happen that often that we have sets that are just this good. It's actually been more common since the return to Rav uh, New World Order in terms of printing and set design that we have flops. We just have absolute flops more often than we have sets like this that are just straight heaters. So coming into this, it's, it's kind of unique, and it does bridge a little bit off of what we talked about last week and what we will talk about in sealed product as a whole. Because... It is a very important part here, or point here. Uh, so, thirsty in a situation like this, uh, what would you do? What are you looking towards? So, my my big thing here is, and I'm going to reference Return to Ravnica Standard. So, there's a lot of cards right now that are insanely high priced. When you look at the list on TCG, you sort by card only. Mm-hmm. Teferi's twenty bucks. He's Teferi, a regular rare, by the way. Yeah, he's not a mythic. Yeah. I, a regular rare for $20 from this set. And, you know, there's cards all over the place, commons, uncommons, that are worth more than a dollar. And what you're looking at is, you know, in Return to Ravnica, prices were kept down for singles because there were so many insanely good archetypes and insanely good cards Mm -hmm. that were out there. Uh, you know, Deathrite Shaman was in three or four different decks, and it was a $10 card for most of its lifespan. Abrupt Decay was a $5 card. Sphinx's Rev was, you know, the most expensive card in that standard at 15 to 20 bucks mm-hmm. as a four of, because there were so many different archetypes that were just completely insane and viable. Yep. So when I, because I don't play standard personally, I. I don't, it's stupid, whatever. I want an eternal format with high barrier of entry for power level, et cetera, et cetera. So one of the things I look at when I look at these sets 
is I look at eternal playability mm-hmm. and casual playability. Okay. The second of which I'll touch on on my pick for the episode. But in terms of eternal playability, obviously Teferi. That card's eternal playable. Yep. Cards like Tomic. Right now, pre-ordering TCG Low is two ninety nine plus fifty eight cents shipping. Yes. So like, or uh, sorry, three forty four. And Positive EV Games has forty of them for three forty four. There is no way this card stays long term. Three dollars. The effect is insane. It's great for modern. Mm-hmm. It's great for legacy. It's great for EDH. And while yes, this price is probably going to go down. When the set releases, I don't think it's going to go down much. No, uh, it may it may bottom out at about two dollars, but that's something that has a really high power level for eternal formats. So for me, that's the type of stuff that I spec on when a new set hits, just because I know it may not be immediately impactful in those formats because all eyes are going to be on standard, and you know, trophy was kind of the exception rather than the rule because it was it immediately attacked one of the best archetypes in the format with Tron and Modern. But this this is a card that you'll be able to pick up release this weekend trading out for $1 to $2, no problem. And probably for a couple of months after that. So that's, yeah. that's the type of stuff I look into, and I go deep on those. Okay. So I don't really go wide. I go tall on these. And I'm like, all right, what are three to four cards that I want to go super tall on? And if I eat my hat, I eat my hat. You know, like similar to what you did with Expansion Explosion, I think we both ended up with well over 100 to 200 of each of those. Yep. Uh, and it was like, all right, this is a card that's busted. And as we touched on, it's something that's similar to something that's existed before and was very powerful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go super tall on it. So that's that's my personal go-to when I'm looking at a new set. Okay. That's how I do it. What about you, Rev? So uh, with Return to Rev, uh, I was not in a place where I could buy and hold a case. Uh, I had just mm-hmm. moved uh, and uh, got a new job, so all I could really do was uh, buy singles. But for Return to Rev, I actually advocated for a number of my non-Magic playing friends to buy a case of that set and just sit on it for about a year. Because the ROI on that set looked like it was going to be insane for about the nine-month to uh, year turnaround. After that, it was it was going to be a little more volatile because Modern still hadn't really solidified itself as being a format that was going to drive Deathrite Shaman, Abrupt Decay, the Shocklands that were there, Master of Cruelties, uh, Supreme Verdict, Detention Sphere. All these cards from that set that eventually made it in. Uh, I think nobody plays the charms much, but some of those were awkwardly pricey. And if I were to look at this set the same way I did at Return to Rev, it would be the same thing. If you have the ability to hold a case of this set, I would. We are a little under 50% of the set being spoiled. Right now, Mythic Spoiler has 135 of 264. So we're somewhere around 45% of the set. And I haven't honestly done a count on Planeswalkers. I think we have all the Mythics and Rares, but we don't have all the Uncommons. And I think... I think that's correct. The Rares and the Uncommon slots are where we're going to see... uh, kind of a shakeup in modern and the ability to pick those up in a greater quantity than the rare than the mythic and rare planeswalkers or a higher opportunity to pick those up in foil lends itself to being yet a another mid-ish hold on sealed 
And in the same vein, that's where I'm going to look when it comes to picking things up uh, either at the pre-release or for pre-orders in that kind of uncommon slot and uh, rare slot and work in there. And not just because the most expensive card in the set is Tefri, which is a rare, and the next most expensive card is the Mythic Liliana, but because we have things like the 3-drop Tybalt, which gives red back a... Uh, the players can't gain life clause that was on rampaging for Asadon. That's just been in prison. Bam. For no Too reason. good for standard. Yeah, for some reason. Too good. And that takes care of a problem that Red doesn't necessarily really suffer from in actual tournament formats. But that basically means that Wild Growth Walker is no longer mm -hmm. a card in this format. And Hydroid Crisis, if for whatever reason Blue Green X becomes better. Uh, or more popular, it also takes away the Hydroid Crisis kind of ability there. And so that's yeah. the area I'm going to try and function a little bit. And then I might go off the deep end on uh, Bolus. Right now, I, I don't know what his uh, his value is. I haven't taken a look. I haven't really seen him pop up. But that's where I might go, because I think he... Jeez, uh, this is a card I should really keep track of. Is he the sixth Bolus Planeswalker or the fifth? Either way, it doesn't think, matter. I think you can yeah. finally you can still continue to play Bolas Tribal and EDH, and the yep. fact that this Bolas has all the other Bolas abilities basically allows him to rule the roost. You know. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm going to go, uh, probably at pre-release because I think a lot of people will want to get rid of uh, Bolas because he doesn't immediately have a home, and then long term as the set starts to fall away, I'll pick up Bolas again, unless for whatever reason he just has no showing at all, and then I'll just keep picking him up as I can. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the avenue uh, I'm going to function in. And it's yeah. not because uh, this set looks like it has some cards that might get banned in modern, a la Deathrite Shaman, or some cards that might not translate despite having a very high profile and standard in Sphinx's Rev and uh, the Jace from Return to Rev, uh, but because I think at this point these sets are definitely designed with casuals in mind, and keeping to that is going to be a little safer than trying to pick up cards that look like they're just going to function immediately uh, in in modern and in Legacy. Uh, I think a prime example to just continue on this uh, track is Soren. Right now he's pre-ordering for about three bucks. But if I remember correctly, and I'm going to pull this up just to make sure I'm not completely speaking out of my butt, he's actually uh, pretty good in uh, casual. As long as yeah, he turn, is. Yeah, creatures and planeswalkers you control have lifelink. He'll deal one damage to target player or planeswalker is plus two, and his minus X is return to yeah with cmc x from your graveyard of the battlefield like sure yeah because all your creatures and planeswalkers lifelink deal yeah you know yep yeah that's that's the type of thing that's like everyone loves reanimator especially in those colors yep. i think that has a long term and i you know that's the other thing is looking at the comparison to return to ravnica most of the money in Return to Ravnica was in the rare slots. Mm -hmm. That's just how it was. Yes. And here you've got Teferi, you've got uh, Ral, you've got Soren, you've got all these rares that at first glance are heads and shoulders better. I mean, Vivian and Vivian's bow are bonkers. Yes. 
absolutely insane. Yep. And they're rares. And like, you know, it's it's going to be hard to compete value wise in the mythic slot. Besides, you know, I mean, honestly, Bolas may see some Grixis deck, but besides that and Tezzeret for casuals, but I don't think it has a spot in standard. The rares are where all the value is going to be in this set. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. It feels like this is a, a set that fixes a number of issues they had, and I, Return to Rev did it as well, but if they continue on, maybe they'll actually adjust the fact that when they added Mythics to the game to help reduce the cost of Standard by trying to put more pressure on the rares to be better and thus carry more of the financial burden, they did the exact opposite. And in, in this instance, yep. again, if they put more pressure on these rares to be better, to carry decks more instead of mythics, then we we could see this a trend carry standard. on, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, especially if Karn, which hasn't been 100% confirmed, but if that Karn is also real at rare... Oh, yes. That's, you know, you, you have potentially three rares straight out of the box that are four ofs in Legacy and Vintage. And that's insane to think of but yeah i mean people are citing the four cmc karn uh, as a a real card and i don't i don't know where it was spoiled but i feel like it was on the on pax weekend i just can't remember where so it was part of the leak that was the eight cards that are still super blurry on mythic spoiler with like Rolesque, Niv, Mez- uh, Niv, Domri, Ral. Mm. It's all st- it, it was part of that leak and like the Nissa and Gideon. Okay. Um, where you know it was a leak that wasn't the content creators that stuff was assigned to, and that's why there's people up in arms over it. Got it. Okay, uh, that makes sense. But you know, again, it, those raiders are insane. And they make they make standard better for players. Mm-hmm. They make it worse for finance people. Which, granted, I frankly think if you want to be in finance, you need to stay away from standard, anyways. Yeah. Uh, unless you're actively grinding and paying attention to the meta, but even then, that's don't don't do it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. No, the the one card I'm not sure about, and it was up on TCG Player this week, and then came back and then was taken down when I looked for it. Is the buy a box promo Tezzeret Master of the Bridge? Mm-hmm. No, there used to be two prices for it. It was a fifty dollar card, and now it's down off TCG Player. Yeah, and I think this is a card that has immediate uh, eternal playability. Modern Legacy Vintage. I've I've been arguing with a number of people this this week that never experienced the affinity keyword in Standard. So they don't know what it means to give all your creatures and your Planeswalkers affinity. And obviously you don't cast this card in the actual robots deck. It costs six. That's fine. Yeah. But when you look at this Tezzeret, which is uh, six. See if I can get it up. Uh, nope. Not coming up. Uh, four, blue, black. And it's plus two is... Tezzeret Master of the Bridge deals X damage to each opponent where X is the number of artifacts you control. You gain X life. That is half of Tezzeret Agent of Bolas's uh, ultimate. And it kills faster. Yep. If you drop AOB on 4, you still need to uptick twice to get him to live. 
and at that point yeah. you're doing maybe like set, uh, six or eight damage. I, I did the math earlier, but the fact that you have yeah. to then uptick four more times and ult him again compared to six drop Tez, which can dome for five and then six and then seven, which right there is 18 damage, gaining you 18 life in the process. Yeah, it's pretty good. War Prison, for whatever reason, doesn't play as uh, Agent of Balls in the main. This can go into the main. Uh, yeah. Four-color Prison deck doesn't play. Like, Lantern, it, these decks slide, slide it in immediately. In Legacy, you can actually play this card on turn two in yeah. the Robots deck. It plays all eight Soul Lands. It plays four Mox Opal and four Lotus Petal. So if you yep. have two Soul Lands... Lotus Petal Mox Opal, you can play this Tezzeret on turn two and then just start dumping your deck. It's ridiculous. And in Vintage, you could, it's turn one-able. Like, I don't think it's a $50 card long-term. I just think this has a very stable price long-term, probably in the neighborhood of $25 to $30. Yeah. But I don't know. People are going to want to play this card. I also thought that... Uh, crap, what is it? The Vehicle from Dominaria... Skyship Weatherlight. That's what I thought. The Skyship Weatherlight. I thought that was going to be uh, good in Vintage Shops because it's Artifact Impulse, where if you yeah. connect with it, you just look at the top four or five cards of your library, find an artifact, put it in your hand, put the rest in the bottom, and that keeps workshops going. But I don't know. Maybe I'm in the year 3019 when it comes to wor workshop tech. <laughs> it's possible. Or uh, or it'll be good when Watsy eventually restricts every artifact in Vintage besides that one. Yeah, that's true. I, it lets you dump constantly. That that is very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I agree. I think Tezzeret is you know a twenty five to thirty dollar card, and I think it's also worth noting that he will be in those promo packs as he is the buy a box promo. Yes, so those yes, packs that, that your that your LGS gets to hand out at FNM or however they want to do, since they get to dictate it, he will be in there. Mm -hmm. So don't snap by the first one you see for 50 bucks you know unless you need it need it yeah it's gonna go down there's yeah, gonna I, be the market i just wanted to get a handle and see if any store was actually going to have a price on them because technically a store can't ahead of time until release weekend because it's a buy a box promo and you're not supposed yeah you don't get high off your own supply and if Watsy catches you putting up your buy box promos for sale before the pre-release happens like uh, you're probably gonna have a bad time yeah exactly Real bad. Oh, exactly. So, uh, moving forward with War of the Spark, it's it's definitely going to be interesting, and it, there's ways to kind of attack this financially and to kind of come out ahead. You just have to figure out if you have the time to sit on. I believe if you sit on some amount of sealed, you'll be able to cash out a lot earlier than some of the other recent sets that weren't a master set and didn't have... Uh, you know, full art promos attached to it. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, and I, I think, you know, if if you have those cards that you want to go after that are the eternal, the eternal playable ones, you know, clearly it might not be in the first month, it might not be in the first two months, because sometimes eternal players are slow to adapt. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of cards in here that are going to be insane in eternal formats, and especially on the casual side. Yes. That'll be really good. And I can't recommend enough, if you're going to, to go the singles route and you're going to look for modern and legacy playables, you really should be paying attention to the legacy subreddit and the modern subreddit because not every card goes up on those when spoiler season happens. It's always cards that look like they can f 
uh, filter into an existing archetype or might be a hoser for something. Yeah. And there's just a lot of uh, exposition about each one of them and a lot of theory crafting about it. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's a really good place to be. One of the the more recent instances of that that I got sucked into was uh, Kozilek's Return, when that card was uh, leaked out. I spent a lot of time in the modern uh, subreddit talking about how that card actually slows down green-red Tron, because that was the version of Tron at the time, by about half a turn, and it's not where yeah. you want to be. And there, yeah. there, were a lot of, there was a lot of good discussion about that card, and it never came to be appropriately. But if people who just jumped the gun and said, okay, we're already casting giant Eldrazi's, why wouldn't we want a flashback Pyroclasm moved in on that card because of Tron? They were going, they lost out in the end because of that. So, yeah, make sure you stay up to date during spoiler season in format-specific locations. MTG Salvation or Discords uh, for those formats or just the subreddits. They'll, they'll all be good for you. Yeah, definitely. Alright, so picks? Yes. You ready? Yep, let's do it. So I said I was going to touch on the casual market and how that drives things. So my pick for this is Leyline Prowler. It is green, black, one, two, three, death touch, lifelink, mana dork. Adds one of any color. So there's a couple reasons I'm picking this one. First off, it's an uncommon that has an immediate archetype and standard Mm -hmm. in Sultai or whatever that it can slot into, which is already playing two to three mana dorks there. And granted, those cost two and this costs three, but this has significant upside over those other two. It's also the type of card that Timmy is going to love in his EDH deck because it gains him life and it taps for mana of any color. And getting a little bit more up there in theory crafting, it's an insanely efficient body. Three mana for a Death Touch Lifelink 2-3 is kind of, you know, the standard for Vampire Nighthawk. Yep. We just had Gifted Aetherborn that was a 2-3 with Death Touch and Lifelink for double black that, granted, did have a more relevant creature type in Vampire. That card's now $2, though, and it hasn't seen play in Standard in ages. Yeah. I think that, you know, getting in on this card for sub 30, 40 cents is absolutely worth it because there's every possibility... While it's in standard, it hits two to three dollars a piece. It mm-hmm. could be Terramander. It could have that level of play. Not to mention the EDH upside. In a year, you know, all of a sudden, as you posited, we could have the uncommon slot driving the value in this sealed product. You could have Nahiri, Stone, whatever, that reduces equip costs, could be, you know, five dollars yep. because of EDH. This is the type of card that we could see as 3 to $4 because of EDH. So as far as the hold goes, uh, I've, I've got about 100 right now on the way, hopefully, for $0.20. Cents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the hold, this one's a little bit different. It's pay attention to buy lists, pay attention to results, because there's an opportunity that it could be a legitimate pump and dump. Yeah. Come release weekend, we have that event, it spikes, it hits $4, and you're like, oh man, I can go, you know, I can trade these out at $3 all weekend at my LGS, or I can just buy list them for $2 a piece right now and be done with it. Uh, And to lend credence to that, the first Star City event with Aether Revolt, legal and standard, when there was at least two green-black decks in the top eight, 
we actively moved on the energy-based dark confidant. Yeah. And we were able to pick those up for under a dollar and flip them the next day. Yeah. It it's and that's the type of thing that I think you'll see with this card because it has that kind of upside. Yep. And the other thing is, if you don't move it in those first couple months, if it doesn't have that spike, pay attention because this card's going to be played in EDH forever. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some guy rocking a homebrew version of Rock at their modern FNM that's probably going to try this out because they want to be able to cast Vivian on four or yep. something like that. So, uh, one of the things I want to say that I like about this card before we move away is that this card offers up a lot of two for one opportunity because it has death touch and it taps for a mana. So, you can declare blockers and then actually cast something. And I have this up right now Uh, Death Sprout, colorless, double black, green, destroy target creature, search your library for a basic land card, put it onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle your library. There are a number of instant speed removal spells in standard right now and yeah. being able to uh offer up a, a, a not two for one let's say a one and a half for one because you do have to spend two yeah. cards but you get the land on top of it uh that that kind of opportunity is generally where you want to be that was one of the powerful parts of uh, rishkar was yeah while you didn't necessarily tap all of your creatures for mana just being able to block and use some of them for mana made that card uh, very good. The same thing with Cryptolith, right? When that was there for uh-huh. a hot second in standard was because yeah. you were able to block and then use your creatures to uh, emerge uh, yep. Elder Deep Friend, the blue one. Yep. Right? And, and it's this kind of ability that makes things pretty pretty strong and pretty interesting. You could even play Soul Tie and Growth Spiral off this thing like in combat. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I like the utility that this card has in standard, and it definitely lends itself to being a couple dollars. And cards like this that have a weird and unique ability have crested four to five dollars in the last couple of years. Wild Slash was yeah. a five dollar uncommon, and red wasn't even the most played color in that format. It was just the best red removal spell. Yep. So you're you're looking at a very large opportunity here. The uh, the pick that I have for this week is actually my second pick because I did not realize that my first pick had shot up to five dollars uh, a couple of weeks ago. My first pick was uh, Oath of Teferi. Oh yeah. And uh, I bought a bunch of them because it's Chain Vell number two, right? You can't. Yeah. You can never go wrong with al- allowing casual players to activate their planeswalkers more than once. People are yep. going to do it. But the reason I wanted to pick Oath of Teferi is because of Nicole Bolas. The reason I like Nicole Bolas is because it goes infinite with my actual pick for this week, Jake Jace Cunning Castaway. Not Jake. Jace. <laughs> I'll so, call him Jake from now on, though. Jake Cunning Castaway is a sub $3 Planeswalker on his way out of standard. So we only have this card for three months. So what does this mean? This is a very short-term opportunity. Either this is going to pop because somebody does this on camera and everybody's going to buy in, (laughs) or you just have a $3 Planeswalker for the end of forever, and I'm betting on the former rather than the latter. Because this is nutty. Uh, With Jace Cunning Castaway, his minus five 
allows you to create two tokens that are copies of Jace Cunning Castaway, except they are not legendary. Now the important part is, is that this is self-referencing for the card itself. So if another Planeswalker uses this ability, it makes another copy of that Planeswalker. So when you use uh, Nicol Bolas, or when you have Nicol Bolas and Jason play, Nicol Bolas can now minus five to create another, to create two Nicol Bolas. Well, how do you do that? You can do it with Oath of a Johnny, which adds another counter to each Planeswalker, but that makes this deck four colors, uh, sorry, five colors. Or you use Oath of Teferi, which allows you to activate Nicol Bolas twice and keeps the deck four colors instead of five. So you play Jace on three, plus him, plus him on four, play Bolas on five, and if you have Oath in play somehow, you can uh, plus Bolas to get him from four to five using his own plus, then uh, ult him to create two Bolas. One of them can now plus twice, and now your opponent has... Sorry, you've drawn three cards... Your opponent has exiled or destroyed three uh, cards or permanents, and that other bolus that popped out can then plus and minus again, and now you have two more bolus. And this actually goes infinite. Frank Karsten has some weird, like, 18-card combo that can kill on turn two. I think I think Bolas, Oath of Teferi, and Jace Cutting Castaway is going to happen on camera at some point before Jace rotates out and people are either going to catch on before it happens or when it happens, and he's going to go from $2 to, like, $8 immediately, and you'll just be able to dump infinitely. So this isn't a pump and dump because you've got to wait for the triggering event, but it's going to happen, and I I, I believe that's going to take Jake cutting cast away from a $3 yeah. walker to an $8 walker, and then you're going to be able to summon the Card Kingdom or some random people at your FNMs who just want to do big, dumb things. That, that is very much a... That's that's some Saffron Olive shit. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And I, th I don't know which one of the four CMC generals from uh, the cycle two years ago allows you to, to do this. Which one is blue, black... Oh, it's the artifact one, isn't it? Blue, black, red, and white. Yeah. Brea something eternal or something yep, like that, Brea. right? Yeah. Yeah. She in and herself is her own combo engine. This doesn't slide in well there because it, it has nothing to do with that. But yeah, this is this is cherry. I explained this to a friend who was trying to do some dumb stuff with Simic Ascendancy. He's like, I'm going to proliferate a bunch because that's a hilarious keyword. Center side, I'm like, dude, just make infinite boluses. And his response was, Look, I'm just trying to play fair, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh okay. Now, I I, I would. Like I, I think Jace Cunning Castaway is the the card that has the most opportunity here in the short term. I don't know if Bolas is a long term standard player because we've all, we already have one in standard and he's not doing it. We yeah. talked about this last week, so I'm gonna go with the very low hanging fruit here, in in Jace. And who knows? There could even be some more. Uh, proliferate shenanigans or additional planeswalkers that just makes Jace good on his own. I'm just basing it off of they release Nicol Bolas and you can immediately go infinite with these three cards in standard. Done. Crazy. Yeah. So that's my pick. Enjoy that one. Oh yeah, that is that is so casual. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, but right I, now, I believe I believe it. 
I mean, like I said, that is absolutely something Saffron Olive would would do. Oh yeah, if if if, if he gets his hands on this and plays it at any point, some or all of those cards are just going to explode. Uh, yeah. I myself have no skin in the game aside from Oath of Tefri, just because I've had to pick up some other stuff for uh, War Prison this weekend. Yeah. But uh, I'm moving out of Expansion Explosions. Uh, I'm, I'm getting rid of All Mine 163, which is like an 8x up from my uh, 25 or 26 cent buy-in is, uh, is good for me. So this is probably <laughs> where I'll move in on both Jace and Bolas. Yeah. So uh, if you're sitting on Expansions... You can either hope that they continue to do real good, or they might get hosed with some White Planeswalker uh, static ability that gives Hexproof. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It could happen. Yes. Uh, but uh, that's it for me, unless... Nope, that's it for us. All right. So thanks for tuning in, guys. Just a friendly reminder, this Friday, the 12th, uh, I will be hosting and we are sponsoring a middle school FNM that will be streamed on the Moonbase Market Twitch page. We'll tweet out the link when we go live. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Thirsty Sizzler and I am at Halt I am Reptar. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and Patreon. And you can always drop us a line. Yep, feel free. Have a good one, guys. Thanks, Thanks for guys. tuning in.